Hi, this is Nahum Siegel, and it's time for another edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind today features many great interviews that we've had on JMNAM recently. We'll start with Steve Shalowitz. Steve Shalowitz had a unique approach to the amazing work of JNF, the Jewish National Fund, podcasting. Steve Shalowitz on the topic of podcasting, what he's doing now for JNF. That interview is now right here at JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Stephen Shalowitz is with us live via telephone. Stephen Shalowitz is a member of the JNF, Jewish National Fund's Greater New York Board, and its marketing chair, and he is the creator of the JNF podcast called Israel Cast. And he is with us live via telephone on this Tuesday morning. Stephen Shalowitz, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Pleasure to speak with you. Tell us about the beginnings of Israel Cast. Whose idea was this, and when did it kick off? Sure. Well, actually, it kicked off just this last week, nice. and we invite all your listeners to check it out at jnf.org slash IsraelCast, or for anyone that's on iTunes, just search for Israel Cast. And actually, the brainchild behind this um, Israel Cast was actually uh, three women, uh, Vivian Grossman, Alicia Yaffe, and Miriam Braun. And the three of them uh, who are active in JNF, uh, Miriam actually works for JNF, and the other two work on the social committee, uh, social media committee, um, actually conceived of this idea about a year ago or so. So it's long in the making. They conceived the idea, and I happened to meet Viv at um, the last JNF conference, and I said, I produce and host a podcast myself here in the city, and if you, you know, want any advice, et cetera, you want me to get involved, I'd be more than happy to. So I started brainstorming with them, et cetera, and working with them, and uh, we ended up creating this. So I'm actually hosting it, but the initial idea for uh, IsraelCast actually came from them. So I do uh, want to give them a very important shout-out. What was the content of show number one? Well, actually, we launched uh, with four episodes. So show number one is actually an introduction to what IsraelCast is all about. Nice. Um, and it's really a podcast featuring fascinating people doing interesting things in Israel. And let me tell you, as I'm sure you know, and I'm sure your listeners know as well, there's really no shortage of people doing just remarkable work all throughout Israel. So the first episode is really just me talking about that and what people can expect, the fact that Israel Cast comes out every other Wednesday. And then what we did was we had um, Russell Robinson, the CEO of JNF, talk all about his passion for Israel, exciting things going on in Israel. He talks about dreaming and the importance of dreaming, um, whether it was in the past, Theodore Herzl's time, and with Theodore Herzl, or even today, and the importance of dreaming and making things happen. Uh, we then go on to Yadidia Harush, who was the founder of Chalutza, uh, one of the communities that was established after the Gaza disengagement in 2005. Uh, it was established in the Negev. And they're just doing remarkable things in Chalutz right now. It's going to be like the next Tel Aviv, okay? Mark my word. Um, and then the third episode that we launched with uh, is a very exciting one. And I think especially people that enjoy food and cuisine will really enjoy it. It's with Lior Leib Serkars. And Lior is the spice guy, the spice guy uh, here in the United States. All top chefs go to him for spice blends. And he has a shop here. Uh, in the city on 11th Avenue. It's called La Boite, and it's a spice shop. He also makes cookies there, and he's building a uh, culinary institute in the Galilee. And mm -hmm. so we talk all about that. We talk about Israel is a food destination, what's going on in the culinary 
industry and on the food scene in Israel. So that, those are the episodes that we launched with. But moving forward, we have some wonderful people lined up. We have a woman. The next one to go up is Hadass Goldman, who established urban kibbutzes all throughout Israel for artists. And she also uh, established the only uh, uh, all-female, all-women cabaret group that only caters to women audiences. So it's a women's cabaret group for women's audiences. It's in Israel. It's the only one of its kind in the world. She's amazing. We have um, Alon, ben, uh, Alon Ben-Gurion, who is David Ben-Gurion's grandson, come on, and just some other very interesting people. We also have coming up um, uh, Kenneth Chepcoin, who is a Kenyan student studying agriculture in the Arava Desert. So we really touched a lot of bases, Nahum, uh, with the type of people and the types of topics that we're talking about yeah, on you're, Israel Yeah, you're going to be meeting a lot of interesting people, it sounds like, through oh, this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Stephen Shallowitz is with us, member of JNF's Greater New York Board and its marketing chair. He's created the JNF podcast. They call it Israel Cast. You can go to jnf.org slash Israel Cast, jnf.org slash Israel Cast. You can also search on iTunes, Israel Cast, and, of course, on your phone uh, when you have the uh, on the podcast app, just simply search for Israel Cast, and you will find it. And this comes out every other Wednesday. And as you heard, four episodes already available. Uh, Israel Cast hosted by Stephen Shalowitz. This is not a new venture for you in the sense that you host the One Way Ticket Show. This must be a very interesting podcast. You explore with your guests where they would go if given a one way ticket without coming back to any destination, past, present, future, real, imaginary, or a state of mind. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing that podcast for over five years right now. And I, I, know, and we, I know this is a really uh, you know loaded question, but could you give us a really good example, one program from those five years that stands out to show us how unique oh this gosh. angle is? Well, I'll tell you, I've interviewed everyone from Alan Dershowitz to Dick Cavett to Charles Osgood, Mo Rocca, um, Nobel Peace Prize winner Jose Ramos Horta. I think one of my most interesting ones, I'll give you two if you don't mind. Sure. Dick, Cav- Dick Cavett wanted a one-way ticket to um, London to have a meal with Oscar Wilde at the Savoy Hotel dining room or Oscar Wilde's favorite London pub. Wow. Um, yes. And so then we explore all that. Alan Dershowitz wanted a one-way ticket to 1932 Germany to try and avert the Holocaust. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, his is an absolutely fascinating, fascinating uh, one-way ticket conversation. But I've also had one-way tickets for people that say, I want a one-way ticket to Bhutan. I want a one-way ticket to Paris of the 1920s, Paris of the Belle Epoque era. I've had people say, I want a one-way ticket to... um, uh, the 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 uh, gardens of France, or a one way ticket to California because I want to get out of the the northeast cold in the winter. So I've had a number of answers, but a lot of them have been very just fascinating answers. People, a lot of people want a one way ticket into outer space, <laughs> and then we do the explore, and then we do the exploratory uh, behind that. But we go back in the future, we go into the future, and we also talk about people's lives, their work and so on. I used to do radio in Singapore, so being on air right now is actually like coming home for me, and the idea for the one-way ticket show started um, when I was doing a lot of celebrity interviews in Singapore, and I just sort of wondered where all these people would go if given a one-way ticket, and so I held on to the idea until I moved to New York. Very cool. Stephen Shalowitz is with us. Um, JNF, what was your first experience with the Jewish National Fund? Well, I think probably like most people, it was when I was a kid, 
um, with the blue box, you know, and raising money with the blue box, I think like so many people. And then as I got older and I got more interested in, I had always been interested actually in the environment, uh, probably long before many people were. And, you know, I, I always knew of JNS work in terms of tree planting. And then when I started, uh, learning more about JNF and what JNF does in terms of water and water resources and what JNF does in terms of helping uh, support things like drip irrigation and what it does in terms of riding for the disabled and all the other programs that it does. I, I just became more enamored with the organization and realized that this is just such a, uh, a dynamic group of people doing really remarkable things in Israel for the people of Israel and for the land of Israel as well. And everything just has just a positive message. And I think one of the things that also interests me, because um, I have a bit of an international background, I lived overseas many years, so I kind of look at things from a outside of U.S. perspective. And one of the things that I love um, about the work that the JNF does is that so much of that work is actually applied to countries outside of Israel. In other words, the work serves as a goodwill ambassador from Israel to many developing nations. And I think that's a very important message, especially in this day and age when, you know, Israel gets such a bad rap. No question about that. Stephen Shalowitz, who has plenty of podcast experience with his well-known One-Way Ticket Show podcast, is now directing the JNF Jewish National Fund podcast. They call it Israel cast, and uh, you'll uh, find out all the information and see the, and, and here I should say, the initial episodes by going to a jnf.org slash Israel cast or searching on iTunes or on the podcast app of your phone, uh, simply the word Israel cast. It's a brand new project. Stephen Shalowitz leads it for JNF. Again, information, jnf.org slash Israel cast. Um, what can we say? Uh, we wish you a, uh, a tremendous amount of luck with this brand new project. And uh, anybody who's highlighting the work of JNF is uh, is doing good work in our eyes. So congratulations and continued success, Stephen. Well, thanks so much for allowing us to talk a little bit about IsraelCast and JNF. And we just hope that everyone tunes into IsraelCast and shares it uh, within their communities to learn a little bit more about some exciting things going on in Israel. I am sure plenty of people will. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks. A pleasure. Have a good day. Stephen Shalowitz, JNF's Greater New York Board. It's marketing chair and creator of the brand new podcast. They call it Israel Cast. You're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Steve Shalowitz, uh, all about podcasting and the work that he's doing with JNF. Uh, now we move to Mayor Fertig. Our good friend Mayor Fertig was uh, in recently as uh, we are partnering again on the 4th of June with the Celebrate Israel Parade with the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. He brought us some of the latest information about what's happening at Shari Tzedek, and boy, there is a lot happening. Mayor Fertig, my conversation with him about Shari Tzedek Medical Center, that's next right here at JM Rewind. Tuesday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Mayor Fertig, who not only has been associated with this radio broadcast for the last, oh, I don't know, three-plus decades. He is Chief Communications Officer at the, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Shari Tzedek and the Nahum Siegel Network, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek and the Nahum Siegel Network, again, are proudly going to be partnering on Fifth Avenue in New York City, smack in the middle of the capital of Celebration Israel this year, during the Celebrate Israel Parade on the 4th of June. As you march and as you view and as you uh, spectate during the parade, you will see that we are there with the American Committee 
for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, broadcasting for hours upon hours and bringing the sights and sounds of Fifth Avenue to all of you around the world, both in the video and audio form. This year, we're going to add Facebook Live. It's going to increase our audience even more. So if you're wondering how it is that we are on Fifth Avenue, it's because of our incredible relationship with the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Mayor Fertig, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hello, Nachum. Pleasure to be here. Have you filed yet for the proper weather for June the 4th? We have, of course. You've put in the request. You think we would leave that to chance? Unlike last year, hopefully this year the filing system will be working properly. (laughs) That's true. We did seem to have a little problem last year with that. We we thought we got that in, but uh, it unfortunately didn't work. Last year the plan was all wet, Mr. Furtick. (laughs) <laughs> Wet is one way to put it. I, I'm still seeing those sheets of rain as I was driving, you know, to park the car, thinking, I don't know how this is going to work. But the odds are with us, and um, I would bet that this year is going to be beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful, and we'll be on Fifth Avenue together. Again, that's June the 4th. Celebrate Israel Parade. Join NSN and the American Committee for Shared Sedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Um, well, it's a pleasure to welcome you here. Thank you. I haven't been here, actually, in a while. Why have you been staying away? People are wondering if this has been purposeful or if this has been by accident. Why is no, it? No, it's been- by accident. It's actually that I, I haven't, you know, when, when Miriam told me that uh, the, the future of JM and the AM is hosting the show periodically from, let's say, my dining room, right. I said, that's amazing. And then I still haven't finished putting together all the equipment. You won't settle for anything less. No, I I, um, I, I really it, need to. I, I Every week or so, I go, oh my gosh, I really miss this. I have to take care of it. Maybe it's our fault. I don't know. Whoever is to blame, I'll blame them. Uh, but let's, we, but, let's not blame anyone, but, but I probably could use some help. But <laughs> m- many of us, including myself, are looking forward to the time when you'll be able at a moment's notice to wake up at 5.30, 5.45, and in fact host the show from that dining room that you just mentioned. Could we pull the, the equipment together that quickly? We could. Well, no, but uh, oh. once it's all set. Right. Oh, I know. see. In other words, I, have, I should prepare the night before. You just roll it in. Right. It's on one of those stands. You roll right. it in, you're all set. That's a nice idea. All right. Um, a couple of things going on. You have uh, provided for us a couple of stories that I find fascinating. One of them has to do with medical clowns. First of all, I was shocked to learn that yeah. there's actually a training regimen when it comes to medical clowning. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a course of study, one could say. You know, talk about a course where you get to clown around. Um that's right. Why, why am I so impressed with that pun? And nobody I, else? I don't know, but uh, but you it, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, there is there is there is training for it. You know, there are there are nice organizations here in the U.S. Sure. as well as in Israel that that train. Uh, my niece has done that with uh, uh, with Lev Leitzan, right. for instance, in uh, in the five towns. Uh, but there there is an entire staff of dream doctors at Shari Tzedek, medical clowns, and it's. You know, to be perfectly candid, we're not the only hospital. We didn't invent medical clowning. But it just seems Israel, I don't know, just like they're on the for- at the forefront of so many other things, it seems like it's such a big thing there. It, it is. We take it very seriously. These these guys, these men and women are not just, you know, accessories. They're not just, you know, auxiliary. Right. They are actually becoming more and more involved in helping prepare particularly children for surgical procedures and all sorts of, in all sorts of situations where... Um, children would benefit from being calm. Right. And it's not just, you know, to keep them from crying or whatever. It actually is therapeutic. And Shari Tzedek has actually just done, and this this is unique to Shari Tzedek, we've just completed 
a study that was published the other day uh, about uh, about medical clowning and how it really does make a difference. Uh, this is uh, they, they found that medical clowns actually significantly improve children's experiences as they are undergoing medical treatment. They uh, specifically looked at children with cerebral palsy who were undergoing uh, you know recurrent uh, botulin and toxin injections to help their right. condition. And the study showed that with the medical clowns involved, the young patients were feeling less pain during the initial injections. And during subsequent injections, even, this is really cool, it, there's a memory to it, even if the clowns weren't present later, they set it up so that the whole experience is, is easier, more pleasant, and less painful for children. So this is, this is I don't know if this is the first look at this, but this was just done at Sharid Sedek. Uh, Dr. Sababa, who is, uh, his <laughs> real name is Avraham Cohen, but uh, one of our medical, uh, doc- one of our uh, dream doctors, Dr. Sababa, um, said the challenge of creating this program, of, of you know, implementing this program at Charit was to create tools that can be used when a child is undergoing a specific treatment and to ensure, see, this is not just, we don't want to keep this, you know, just in the building. We want to share it. Um, and to ensure that those tools can be used by clowns in any country, and under an array of situations. And this study, he said, showed that we really, what we already knew, a medical clown that is skilled and professional really makes a difference. Now, you may not know the answer to this question, in all fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who's spending time in Israel, I don't know, a couple of months, a couple of years, right. c- can they drift into this Shari Tzedek clown program? Like, do you know how it works? Or if there's a. Uh... I, I don't know for sure, but I would guess not, because, again, these are not the, the dream doctors, the medical clowns of Shari Tzedek are not volunteers, they're on staff. Trained personnel. Yeah. No, these are staff right, people. They're there. They're there. You know what? Five days a week, whatever it is, between the you know the group of them, they are always there. Do you remember when we saw one of those clowns when we were together at Shari Center? Sure. Yeah. No. These these people. Are it's amazing. amazing how they. You know, I was jet lagged. Yeah. And they were able to cheer me up. <laughs> See, because you're a kid at heart. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how they have to maintain that the cheery disposition right. constantly, and 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 not to get to too much on a tangent, but let me mention this. Uh, because I saw that I don't remember if this was a visit with you or not, but it was one of our, our tours of Shari Tzedek. Um, I saw people there who literally walk around the waiting room where there are many children mm-hmm. waiting around with birds on their shoulder, on their hands, mm-hmm. and with other things that can entertain or distract kids. Like, That's this right. Is, it's like a whole collective effort to do what they can to make it as pleasant an experience as possible. Even the way your new floors have been, uh, and when I say floors, I mean the units. In, in the Wolf been, Children's Hospital. Right, have been painted or have been right. designed also with all this in mind. A lot of thought went into this. When, when the Wolf Children's Hospital was being planned, a team from the hospital went around the world collecting great ideas. Interesting. That's the way to do research, I guess. Yeah, that's what they did. And they... Obviously, uh, a lot of the aspects of, of this of this Wolf Children's Hospital, which opened in uh, 2015, are unique to Shari Tzedek, and the uh, the result of of careful planning and seichel and chachma, you know, in the hospital. But a lot of those details were gleaned from elsewhere. They took the best of the best from around the world, and that's what went into that hospital, into that into that facility. Pretty cool. Uh, Mayor Fertig is here. He's Chief Communications Officer, American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. We're together, of course. On Fifth Avenue on the 4th of June. One of the reasons I keep emphasizing the Celebrate Israel Parade is because with all this going on, Yom Yushalayim, Shavuos, etc., the community is going to be distracted and won't realize that the Sunday after Shavuos, pop, there we go. we got to be on Fifth Avenue and and be at the big celebration. So please circle your calendar. Start telling your kids now 
at the 4th of June is when uh, everybody's expected, all families are expected to be on Fifth Avenue to celebrate with the Celebrate Israel Parade. And again, we'll be there with the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem uh, on Fifth Avenue. Uh, the Women's Division uh, has announced, the, Amer- the Women's Division of the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem has announced its luncheon honoring Judy Tuchman and Melody Scharf and with an opportunity to win tickets to Hamilton. It's all happening on the 7th of June at the Pierre Hotel on East 61st Street in New York City. It's a luncheon beginning at 12 noon. There's a website. You can go to uh, ACSZ. That's ACSZ.org slash WD Luncheon. And you can, uh, you'll can you see there the invitation plus the chance to register and win tickets to Hamilton. And, of course, the, uh, um, the bios on the honorees and all the information uh, in terms of the event are there as well. So, number one, June 7th, big date. Obviously, Mazal Tov to all the honorees. And I would assume... That the Hamilton raffle, the Hamilton drawing, is for everybody. Anybody could enter. Absolutely. Right? So literally, no matter who you are, woman, yeah. woman or not, even if you even if you can't attend, right? Even if you're geographically unable to, whatever it is, right. you know, uh, you can uh, you can definitely enter. Just go to uh, acsc.org/wdluncheon, uh, women's division that is wdluncheon, and uh, and there is a uh, there is a an order form there, and you can you can enter. Uh, to buy raffle tickets, it says register now and enter to win tickets to Hamilton. When you uh, when you uh, scroll over that, it will uh, lead, and then you click on it, it will lead you straight to the registration right. page. So that's how you do it. That's happening Wednesday, June seventh. I'm assuming that anybody who registers for the Hamilton tickets before that date will be eligible. I would presume so. Yeah. Uh, and any information, of course, go to the website, or you can contact the main office at Shari Tzedek, or I should say more accurately, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center. In Jerusalem, Mayor Fertig is here. Plenty more coming up. Again, circle June the 4th. Everybody will be celebrating Israel on Fifth Avenue with our friends at Shari Tzedek. More coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. JM in the AM Tuesday, day 35 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. June the 4th, we'll be on Fifth Avenue with our friends from the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Look for the people wearing the unique NSN Shari Tzedek shirts. There'll only be a few people wearing those, Mayor Ferdick. You got to be eligible to wear that one. Exactly. Yeah. You, have to, you, you have to be. Got to be part of the club. You have to be privileged. Got to be part of the club. Right. <laughs> anyway, exactly right. how many people can be contacting me today now asking about those shirts? <laughs> how do I get one of those? <laughs> Show uh, up. Exactly. And then maybe you'll have one. So uh, you just sent me an article um, which deals with, um, I- I'm assuming, some of the personnel at Shari Tzedek. Uh, that is dealing with the hearing loss. Those who uh, those who are uh, who are not able to hear. Now, what you said to me was that this is beyond the cochlear implant, which of course has been revolutionary in terms of helping those who have no hearing loss. You said this is actually for people who have no what did you call auditory it? nerve? Auditory nerve, right? And if you and if one is born without an auditory nerve and they find themselves now at Shari Tzedek, what can happen? What can happen is they can receive something called an auditory brainstem implant. Wow. And it is a very intricate procedure that actually replaces a missing or a damaged uh, auditory or co- cochlear nerve in their inner ear, without which it's impo- you know, a cochlear implant right, won't without work. Help you, without there's, that no- nerve. there's nothing to do. Um, this has only been done so far in a handful of hospitals around the whole world. And the first one was just done recently, a couple of months back. They're just talking about it now at Shari Tzedek. A team from NYU 
you know, Shari Tzedek works with medical centers around the country right. doing different things, you know, pioneering different procedures, bringing things to Israel that hadn't previously been there. A team from the Langone Medical Center at NYU flew to Israel to participate in the surgery. And the surgery itself, in terms of Shari Tzedek, was only made possible because of the brand new Helmsley Neurological Center at Shari Tzedek. So now there's an entire team of neurosurgeons and other professionals. That's all part of the whole the stroke unit and all that. But one aspect of the, neuro, the Helmsley Neurological Center is a, a team of neurosurgeons, and they include somebody who is a brain stem specialist. And this team of doctors from NYU flew in, and together, this international team of, of professionals operated on a five-year-old boy. Oh. And he can now hear. Do you know what kind of era we're living in? It's unbelievable watching all of this. You it's know, amazing. I get chills thinking about I, it. Although it might just be the air conditioning. <laughs> I um, I was at a a wedding recently. Mm-hmm. It was a wedding or a dinner. You know, sometimes you don't remember which is which. Mm-hmm. And Rabbi Maish Yaroslavich walks up to me. Mm-hmm. He led the Hazinu organization for many years, which dealt with the hearing loss in the Jewish community. Right. And he said, Nachum, you know how every guy. Uh, or person, I should say, who goes on your radio show always says, we pray for the day when the organization has to close, right? He goes, I'm the first one that could tell you we closed. <gasps> really? Because we caused a cochlear implant mm-hmm. and all this modern technology like right. you just described. Right. There is no need anymore. When when there is a hearing loss in a young kid and it becomes obvious, then everyone knows what the treatment is if, if it's needed. They, they know where to go. They That's know what amazing. to do. And that is that. And we actually closed the organization. I said, wow, that is that is cool. I After have, all these decades of hearing people say, we pray oh, for today when we have to close, they I, actually closed. I have so much respect is for that. Is that great? Because you do not hear that too oh, often. Too often. <laughs> Maybe the only time I heard it. I was so happy to hear him say it. So th- that's an addendum to what that's you just amazing. told us about the work at Chariot Sedek regarding the uh, auditory nerve and uh, yeah. and, and hearing loss and helping yeah. people regain it. The auditory brainstem implant, ABI, a surgery made possible by the new Helmsley Neurologic, made possible at Chariot Sedek, I should say, and, right. and in Israel, frankly, by the new Helmsley Neurological Center at Chariot Sedek. And you also pointed out to me that um, Israel21c.org posted an article about Israelis helping to conquer cancer, and this also shed a really big light on what's happening at Shire Tzedek. Correct. May is Cancer Research Month, and uh, they did a really nice article about the Israelis helping to conquer cancer. Some right. of the best Israeli research in the field of cancer and the scientists committed to saving lives. That's the uh, the sub-headline on this article on the Israel21c.org website. And, you know, it's, it's a long list, but it's not such a long list. <laughs> we were very, very um, pleased to see not one but two of the amazing uh, researchers and, and, and physicians at Shari Tzedek um, on this list. One of them, and he actually wasn't identified by his Shari Tzedek affiliation, but he is uh, one of the main people um, in charge of cancer treatment and research at Shari Tzedek. That's Professor Alberto Gabazon. Um, he and his team developed the first FDA-approved drug to use something called stealth liposomes. It's called Doxel, and it's uh, being used for direct delivery to a tumor site without damaging surrounding tissues. Anybody who's unfortunately had any you know, uh, 
information or knowledge about this knows that that's always a big issue, oh, yeah. um, has been in the past. So this is being used to treat uh, breast and ovarian cancer as well as Kaposi's sarcoma, which is a form of cancer uh, that many have heard of as relates to AIDS patients. So that's Professor Gabazon from Sharitzetic. And the other is Dr. Efrat Levi-Lachad. She is the director of the Medical Genetics Institute at Sharitzetic. And she discovered that women with the BRCA2 gene mutation have an increased uh, risk for developing breast cancer, particularly if they also have an abnormality in another gene, the RAD51. Uh, now, this is all you know, far yeah, too technical for us, but the bottom line is that's a significant, uh, that's a significant step forward in understanding uh, triggers for cancer. And these, uh, this is some of the work going on at Charitetic, so we are very proud of that. And we thank uh, Israel21c.org for including uh, for putting out the article. It's a really nice thing, and uh, for including these people from Charitetic. Uh, some uh, strange terms for those of us who are not part of that medical community, but right. it sounds very impressive, and it certainly is. Mayor Fertig is here, Chief Communications Officer, American Committee for Charitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. Their amazing work continues. I love, by the way, um, I think I saw it in the, uh, I think I saw it in the OU Pesach magazine. Mm-hmm. The I think it was there. Uh, the ad with the bib. It was in it was in Jewish action, not in the Pesach Well, it was packaged. Right. right, it was packaged right. together. Um, the bib, mm-hmm. which just remind me. Do you remember the tagline? I just can't remember. Uh, yeah, sure. It is um, the a, best. Uh, hold, hold on one right. second. No problem. You want to read it? I can't believe I can't remember it. I've read it accurately. Yeah, I've been dealing with it for <laughs> for days because we're about to do another drop in in print paper. You know, in. Uh, in newspapers, you can see this on social media, and you right. can see it. Oh, uh, I saw it actually. Yeah, you'll media, start right. seeing it in uh, on the internet as well. the The tagline is "What the best dressed babies in Jerusalem are wearing." Sharitetic <laughs> <Right. laughs> bib. Right. No, it's a Sharitetic onesie. Right. Sharitetic um, onesie. And they have they've had different versions of this. This one may or may not exist in this exact form. Right. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> I love what the best dressed babies in Jerusalem are wearing, and the. The, ser- the factual part behind that is, and we've discussed this before, Shari Tzedek, um on two campuses, the main one and at the uh, Bikur Cholim Hospital um, in the center of the city, uh, delivers more babies every year than any other medical facility, possi- probably in the world, but certainly in the Western world. Yep. That's 22,000, over 22,400 births a year. Maybe. At Shari Tzedek, Kane Yerbu. An amazing number. Kane Yerbu is right. Something to be very, very proud of. I want to thank those who continue to donate. The uh, Wayne Traub family just uh, donated on our website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. We'll talk more about our fundraiser in just a moment. Also, Mayor Fertig is going to answer the question, uh, did Shari Tzedek have any significant role in what happened 50 years ago next week? We'll find out in just a moment if you keep it here at JM in the AM. <laughs> Mayor Fertig, who is uh, the Chief Communications Officer at the American Committee for Sharitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. He and I both remind uh, our audience uh, locally and around the world that there is a Celebrate Israel Parade coming up on June the 4th. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday after Shavuos. We want to make sure you're on Fifth Avenue like we will be. You will see a, uh, you will see a, dual, um, a dual booth. NSN and the American Committee for Sharitetic Medical Center. They'll be together on Fifth Avenue, enjoying the parade and bringing you the sights and sounds of what it's like to celebrate Israel. A lot of people don't know what it's like to celebrate Israel. We have uh, somehow uh, patented 
the ability to celebrate is real, thank God. Yeah, it's kind of easy, actually, if you think about it, because there's so much to celebrate. It's easy, and yet uh, people hesitate to do it sometimes. That's true. That's true. All right, 1967. You know, we're, we're going to be in Israel next week uh, commemorating Yom Yerushalayim number 50, the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. 1967, just like everybody in Jerusalem, Shari Tzedek was no stranger to the dangers of war. Explain. That is correct. Uh, Shari Tzedek, actually, uh, back then in its original building on uh, on Jaffa Road, on Yaffa, was was the hospital closest to the combat. Correct. Uh, it was just a couple of it's, kilometers you know, from the front. Yeah, I don't even know if it was that that much of a distance. It may have been shorter than that even. Yeah, so I... I would. I'm going. When I say right. that, I'm going on materials, archive materials oh, from the hospital. Who know better than I do? No. So, I, in other words, I wouldn't put my own imprint right. on that. I'll, I'll, I'll use their description. I don't want to. I, I hate overselling things, but uh, that's that's how it's been described. In the, you know, in the stories brought down in the hospital, right. and uh, the the hospital is, has always been considered something of a, a military hospital, so to speak. Obviously, there's a close ties to the IDF and. Right. Soldiers are treated at the hospital every day. But um, on June 5th, in the morning a, a hot, uh, of 1967, a hotline rang at the hospital from the IDF headquarters. And it was apparently, by all accounts, a very short conversation. And it basically said, get ready. And um, immediately, the hospital went into a state of emergency. And they had they had been seeing this coming, of course. I mean, every, you know, everybody did. And they had... Many, many, many of the civilian patients had been prepped to be sent home with treatment instructions. Uh, yeah. And they started, you know, anybody who could be discharged right. safely was discharged. And they converted the entire hospital in the space of about two hours from, you know, a couple of hundred beds into something much, much larger um, and, and ready for a war. Uh, they covered the windows, sandbags. Volunteers started streaming in. Yeshiva students, college students from around the from around the world, from you know people who are in Israel internationally, Israeli students, um, teenagers uh, from Israeli high schools, and they transformed the hospital in a couple of hours uh, into into a uh, into a military hospital. Uh, within a, within about two hours, it was done. Uh, to a, a frontline military hospital that had a huge team of doctors and nurses standing by. Uh, they had uh, teams of surgeons ready to go. They had underground operating theaters. And all of these volunteers, they even they even brought in the, the, the women's auxiliary of the hospital, yeah. even came in to take care of staff members' children. So that they wouldn't have to go home, particularly mm-hmm. particularly nurses at that time, many of their husbands were fighting. Right. So they needed to be with the kids, of course, taking care of their children, but yeah. of course, equally, of course, they needed to be in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So um, all of these kids were brought into the hospital, and they were cared for there. These families, they transformed, you know, like the the, the nurses' uh, dormitory yeah, and the nursing care. students. Yeah, everything was just transformed. Bed, desks were moved aside. Every place you could stick a bed, they stuck a bed. It was you, you could just imagine um, what it was going on. At about eleven o'clock in the morning on June fifth, uh, the Jordanians began shelling Yerushalayim and uh, blasting the border areas with machine guns. And you know, pretty soon they started hearing sirens. Uh, one of the first casualties, unfortunately, was a, a young mother. She was uh, searching for shelter. Um, in in uh, the what's now the I guess called the Morasha neighborhood between the old city and Meisharim, 
And she had a baby with her, and she was searching for a shelter, and she did not make it. Her baby did, but uh. Uh, she did not. Um, so soldiers were being brought in, civilians were being brought in, even Jordanians were being brought in. Everybody was treated. And um, the hospital itself, uh, you know, they were so close to the front that shells were falling around the hospital. It was dangerous to go outside. Uh, shells on a couple of occasions, actually at least one, hit the hospital. Mm. Uh, if you go into the uh, development office in the hospital, Sharit Sedek, on a little wooden pedestal, there is a Jordanian shell that struck the roof line of the hospital just to the left of the front door, um, right above a room where 18 newborns were, and it didn't explode. And the shell still is still in the hospital today. They have it. Pretty amazing. Um, and I, when I was there a couple of months ago looking through archive photos, I found a picture that um, we were trying to identify. It was a picture of the front of the hospital. Um, we di- it didn't say what year, but it was immediately after the war, a war. And it was actually a picture of a group of people taking people who had passed away in the hospital during the war out to be buried right. now that it was safe. But we weren't sure which war, because that building had stood since you know since the early 1900s. Right. Uh, it still stands, of course. We're right. just not there anymore. And somebody... Uh, Uri Schwartz, look who works at the hospital, looked at it and said, oh, I know what it is. He saw damage on the roof line right next to the front door to the left of it and said, that's where the shell hit. And that's how we were able to identify that it was a 1967 photo. Unbelievable. Very cool. 50 years ago, Shari Tzedek, uh, like everybody else in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. in the midst of the Six-Day War, yeah. Uh, I they, wonder, I don't know if you know this offhand because obviously you weren't there at the time, I wonder how long Sharad Sedek's been in its current location. Uh, since 1979, I believe. Wow, nice. I think they moved in 79. But uh, dur- during the war in 1967, they treated, uh, uh, in 70 hours, they uh, treated over 450 patients. Surgeons in 70 hours performed over 200 operations. Yeah, I believe that. That's just uh, unbelievable. <laughs> just incredible. Uh, Mayor Fertig, he's Chief Communications Officer, American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Next week, we celebrate 50 years. On June the 4th, we celebrate 50 of Jerusalem. And, of course, we celebrate Israel in general, the incredible state, 69 years old, at the Celebrate Israel Parade coming up June the 4th on Fifth Avenue. Join us at the Nahum Siegel Network and the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem for all of the festivities. I thank you very much, Mayor. Oh, I remind everybody, June 7th is the Women's Division event. Plus, if they go to the website, acsz.org slash wdluncheon, they can register for the Hamilton tickets. Anybody around the world is eligible for those. Correct. And, of course, you're invited to to attend the event. But even if you can't be there, by all means, uh, throw... uh Throw your hat in the ring and buy some raffle tickets and a chance to win two tickets to see Hamilton. And that is um, the 7th of June at the Pierre Hotel in New York City. I thank you. And uh, coming up uh, this week, we're going to be raising money continuously, as we've already started, for JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. And rumor has it you might visit us again this week. I am. Mirza Hashem, I'm going to visit on Friday, and I'm looking forward to it. Because let me tell you something. After all these years... Not having that two week uh, that that two week marathon, my my whole internal clock felt a little off. <laughs> well, we'll try to get it back on. I schedule. have been measuring the passage of time with the marathon for so many years. Thank God. And I discussed with Matas on the air this morning that uh, for those who think it's unusual to do this in the month of May, early on it used to be in May. 
If you remember, early oh. on it was after it was during Sphera, and yeah. in the middle of May. And so the 1980s, mid 80s would have been. Oh, May? for sure, yeah. So I that did. was the first time I was ever at the marathon. It was in 1985. I was 15 and in 10th grade. Wow. And that was the first time I was at the marathon. Wow. Been a long haul. I'm, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about this as the week goes on. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Go to fjbunity.org to support JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, fjbunity.org. And I thank those who continuously are are um, pledging and supporting. Uh, we have all that information. We will be thanking you all through the week, everybody. Big thank you from all of us here at JM and the AM. That was Mayor Fertig, my special guest about Sharet Tzedek. We look forward to partnering with the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem for the parade, the Celebrate Israel Parade, coming up on the 4th of June. Uh, the OU is presenting a very interesting Yom Yushalayim program open to all of their schools nationwide. Mike Bain, the president of the OU, joined me to discuss this very interesting program, one that is attracting hundreds of schools across the country. Mike Bain of the OU about Yom Yushalayim next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, the OU has uh, essentially indicated that Yom Yerushalayim next week is the next chapter in their Torah education program following their amazing Torah in the City event, which was absolutely remarkable. Synagogues across North America are registering to participate in the OU's newest nationwide Torah learning initiative. In honor of the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, participants all over will hear a set of lectures from respected Torah teachers from across the Jewish world as they provide a unique perspective on the religious importance of Judaism's holiest, holiest city. Apparently, all five teachers and speakers were asked the same question. And that question was, why is Jerusalem important to us as religious Jews? Speakers included by Dr. Jacob J. Schachter, by Michael Rosenzweig, or by Yitzhak Breidowitz, or by Sibora Heller, Rabbanit Shani Tarrigan. And uh, this is all happening in honor of Yom Yerushalayim number 50. Maisha Bain is with us live via telephone, not only a great friend, of this broadcast. He is the president of the Orthodox Union and behind this incredible initiative. Amish Bain, welcome back to JM in the AM. It is always great to be with you, Nahum. I greatly appreciate that. The uh, attention to Torah study, especially in the context of Yom Yerushalayim, is wonderful and remarkable. Uh, tell us about this and what the reaction has been among the synagogues nationwide. Well, it's been actually incredible and very much expected, but always satisfying. We have over 240 shuls across North America of all different sizes and stripes, all participating, because I think there's a uniform aspiration to take our Jewish experiences and understand them from a much deeper perspective, and that's what Torah gives us. No question about it, and it's always wonderful to see the reaction from across the country and the way people are utilizing Yom Yerushalayim to not just celebrate, which we're going to be doing, but to increase Torah study, which is amazing. Who, I mean, it's not really important whose concept it was, but how great a concept is it to ask the same important question about Jerusalem and Torah to a variety of people? You know, and, and the beauty of it is borne out by the different answers that people will hear when they listen to the Shiurim. I mean, obviously, Torah has 70 faces, and every issue could be approached from a very different perspective. And that's why it's so important to have multiple sources of Torah teaching. And that's what this program evidences. And everyone will find which approach speaks to their heart and to their mind most closely and aligns with their approaches to looking at all issues. And that's what people have to realize, that Torah is multifaced. Everyone has their piece of Torah, and it's their responsibility to just look for it and find it. 
Uh, you have not made it a secret. You've been very open about um, uh, your your wish. I won't I won't say dream. I think it's more realistic than that. But your wish to increase the Torah study and the Torah awareness among synagogues around uh, the United States. I, I mean, how has that gone so far? From our perspective, it looks like you're putting together programming that is so attractive when it comes to Torah study. From your perspective, how has it gone? Well, it's a slow process. It's I think much more satisfying the interest that the community already has. But when we when we interact with shuls um, and synagogues and different institutions around the country, we're getting from them enormous feedback that they are looking for tools. That it's on their agenda before the OU brought it to the attention. It's been on every rabbi and every community's agenda for decades, from the beginning of their inception, to increase Torah learning. What we're just trying to do now is provide the tools to make it Torah learning more accessible to more people. So one of the things we're doing, besides trying to produce events such as City Field and events such as our Shiram on Yom Rishalayim, is to elicit from different communities approaches to Torah learning that is working for them, and then sharing them among the communities themselves, because it could very well be that there are incredible Torah products that are available that people just don't know about. Yeah. It doesn't have to be sourced by the OU. We're just trying to make them available to everybody. That's a good point. In this case, you've made five amazing lecturers and teachers available to everybody. Aren't you sometimes amazed at the incredible uh, wealth of knowledge that's out there and how many wonderful lecturers we have at our disposal in our community? Uh, it's certainly a blessing that our generation is enjoying. That's such a deep, rich source of Torah teachers, uh, both men and women of all kinds of backgrounds, who have incredible articulation and knowledge and sometimes humor in order to convey Torah thoughts to us. So we are truly blessed in our generation. Maish Bain is with us. He's president of the OU. Synagogues across North America are registering as we speak in the hundreds, as you heard, to participate in the OU's newest nationwide Torah learning initiative in honor of the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. Five teachers were asked, why is Jerusalem important to us as religious Jews? And Rabbi Dr. Jacob J. Schachter, Rabbi Michael Rosenzweig, Rabbi Yitzchak Breidowitz, Rabbi Tzipora Heller, and Rabbi Nit Shani Tarragon are all uh, going to be answering that question. For information and to register your local synagogue, you can go to the web at ou.org slash Yom Yerushalayim. Again, that's ou.org slash Yom Yerushalayim. You know what's interesting about um, uh, the Orthodox Union? When you think about the Torah perspective and the political perspective, and I would guess probably other departments as well that I'm not thinking of this moment, uh, Jerusalem as a topic is taken care of on a lot of different angles when it comes to the Orthodox Union. Look, I think Jerusalem is a central focus of all Jews in every organization and every regard. Jerusalem is at the forefront of our minds. Therefore, inevitably, is going to be in the forefront of every dimension of programming of the OU as well as any organization that has a deep appreciation for our Misora and our focus in Yahadus. I think there are even OU restaurants in Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so we really, we really got all the bases covered, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's certainly the case. And our Jerusalem Center has an enormous Yom Yerushalayim program with myriad shiurim and programs. So we're, we're all over every Jewish experience in many different regards for many different types of people. And don't forget, your Jerusalem Center is also doing a great Yom Yerushalayim concert next week as well. So they, got, they, have, they have everybody covered in every single spiritual area. Uh, it is always a pleasure to speak to you. Mike Spain is president of the uh, OU, and, and this list, I'm sure, is just going to continue to grow. Any, any synagogue that wants to register and be part 
of the program and be able to uh, share it with their uh, congregants. They, all they have to do is go to ou.org slash yomirushalayim. Again, that's ou.org slash yomirushalayim. We look forward to the, the next program, uh, Maish Bain. The, the work that's coming out of the Torah department of the OU these days is pretty remarkable. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Nahum. Uh There he is, Maisha Bain, who is the um, uh, president of the OU. They did a great venue last time, City Field. Now they're paying attention to an even better venue, Jerusalem, as they uh, uh, present these incredible shiurim uh, Torah lectures uh, from some fabulous personalities. Really amazing. OU.org slash Yom uh, Tuesday morning, day 35 in the counting of the Omer. Plenty more coming up. You keep it right here at JM and the AM. That was my conversation with OU President Maish Bain regarding the Yom Yushalayim program. And finally today, we get to hear from Don Cates. Don Cates has a lot of information about uh, a Wednesday night's dinner, Yeshiva Dakotel dinner, happening Wednesday night at Lincoln Square Synagogue in New York City. Everybody out there is invited to participate and to be part of what's going to be a very, very interesting dinner happening, excuse me, not Wednesday night, but tonight, Tuesday night, May 23rd at Lincoln Square Synagogue in New York. It is not too late to make a reservation for tonight's dinner. Uh, you'll hear all about Yeshiva Hotel next with Don Cates on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, it is a uh, JM in the AM Monday morning. Don Cates is with us live via telephone. He's director of development at Yeshiva Hotel. Yeshiva Hotel, <coughs> while all of us, here at the Nahum Siegel Network, we'll be right next to Yeshiva.Kotel next week because we're going to be broadcasting from Yerushalayim in honor of Yom Yerushalayim. Yeshiva.Kotel brings their 50th anniversary dinner and the feeling of Jerusalem to New York City on Tuesday night, Yom Yerushalayim at Lincoln Square Synagogue with guest of honor Danny Danone, Israeli ambassador to the United Nations. Yeshiva.Kotel will uh, present its 50th anniversary dinner. Lincoln Square is at 180 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. Uh, Eitan Katz, who you just heard a moment ago with the Elul Nigun, will be the musical performer. The reception will begin at 7 p.m. And Marav will be at 10 o'clock with special tefillot for Yom Yerushalayim, which is a wonderful idea. Rabbi Rafi Mandelstam is alumnus of the year and will be recognized as such. Don Cates, Director of Development at Yeshiva.Kotel, is with us live via telephone, and we say good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Nachum. It's good to speak uh, on the air and also to a Hakoto parent. I appreciate that. And uh, Yoshua Siegel is a proud Hakoto student. I actually had a couple of opportunities to visit him during the year. One of them, I participated in Sunday morning Shacharis. He told me that it was, uh, you know, a Sunday morning after an out Shabbos, so the uh, attendance was not so great. Guys were still coming back. But I thought it was one of the most inspiring tefillot. Of right. my of my year, frankly. So thank you very much for that. And I must. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that. I I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm in the yeshiva. whenever I'm in the yeshiva, I make sure to be mincha yeshiva to give me the inspiration to continue to represent the yeshiva and sell it, so to speak, to to other people. Um, next week, we're going to have an opportunity to broadcast from uh, the old city, and we're going to be looking right. at, and we're going to be looking at Harabayit. What's it like for your students and staff to see Harabayit on a regular basis? That's really that's a really good question. Um, one of the one of the uh, you know they say location location location, but a, uh, our students who we who we love, when they look out the window and they're learning with their kavruta or they're going to a shir and they see the kotel, uh, it's got to influence them. 
You know, uh, a lot of other yeshivot that are wonderful. Uh, but the location that we have and the atmosphere that we have, and, of course, the famous Yeshivara Kotel uh, on the Friday night dancing down to the Kotel, which has been, uh, uh, it's going to be in our video at the dinner, um, is uh, is very special for them. And uh, the atmosphere is, is very, very special. I forgot who mentioned it to me recently, but the Balabatim who see it, the uh, the people who visit Israel and who are in Israel, on a Friday night at the hotel, who see the dancing? It's it's something they they never forget, and it's really one of the most right. most amazing things that the yeshiva does. Keep doing it, uh, absolutely. So, so you're moving the dinner to the United States the night of Yom Yerushalayim. That's interesting, right? right. Well, we had a big program um, with Avram Fried uh, on Rosh Chodesh Nissan, huh? where we had about 2,500 people uh, celebrating uh, our 50th anniversary. You know, yeshiva was founded only a few months after the Six Day War. Right. So we're celebrating the 50, our 50th anniversary as well. Um, and uh, one of the things we wanted to try for the first time is, especially this year, to bring you, the atmosphere of Yerushalayim and Yom Yerushalayim uh, and, our, and, and, and our 50th anniversary to to our parents and uh, and supporters in the state. So okay. uh, we're going for it, and we're, we're getting pretty good turnout. And uh, uh, anybody that still wants to come, there's still room. Uh, I could give you my cell phone, or or they could just write me at don at akotel dot org dot i l. I'm at six four six. I mean, I'm in New York now. I just came in six four six two two three zero eight three nine. It's gonna be a special night. Uh, you've already told pretty much the program. We also read by Terrigan, who's our dean of overseas students. It's will be the speaker, the the Dwar Torah, and uh, we're gonna have, of course, when every time you have eight time cats, you got a lot of ruach, a lot of spirit. Very special event. Yeah, I am. I'm all for this. I mean, you know, I have a good excuse why I won't be there, but right. I. But that's I, one excuse I accept. <laughs> that you're going to be in your showing. That's but, the only excuse I but, accept. But I am all for this. <laughs> Believe you me, everybody here needs a real injection of Yom Yerushalayim right. and a real right. and a real injection of the spirit. Well, I, I think. I think especially what's uh, in, in honoring the Israeli representative of the UN with what has gone on at the UN this year and a lot of their anti-Israel uh, decisions. Um, we would like to invite people, even if they did not have students at the Hakoto. Anybody that wants to come and experience Yerushalayim uh, one night uh, in New York, uh, uh, and, and they're welcome to come. Lincoln Square Synagogue on the night of May 23rd. It's a week from tomorrow night with guests. Right, it is, and it is, by the way, actually Yom Yerushalayim that night. So it is. So as you mentioned, we're going to do a special tefillah because of, in honor of Yom Yerushalayim. That is correct. The guest of honor is Danny Danone, Israeli ambassador to the U.N. It's at Lincoln Square Synagogue on the Upper West Side with the reception beginning at 7 p.m., Eitan Katz is the musical performer. Marv will be at 10 p.m. with special tefillot for Yom Yerushalayim. And the alumnus of the year is Rabbi Rafi Mandelstam. Tell me about Rabbi Mandelstam's connection to the yeshiva. Well, he's a graduate of ours, and as a lot of our boys do, they went into, um, they were inspired at Hakotel to go into um, the Rabbanut and, 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 and Chinuch, to go into education. He is a Rebbe at the TABC in Phoenix. Right. Yeah, Among and he teaches in a bunch of other places also, and he's very beloved. And uh, we decided to uh, he he was the choice, and uh, and um, you know a lot of his people are coming, so he, we're looking forward to seeing him too. He is the alumnus of the year, and we give him a right. special shout out this morning, especially out there in right. TABC and Yeshiva Kotel. I mean, you said it's fifty years old, and it's just, I don't know what the official distance is, but I think we could say it's feet away from Harabayat essentially. Uh, really, it's the, absolutely the most incredible location. And right. you did mention to me that, uh, again, present company excluded. You did mention to me that the uh, you have among the uh, 
uh, among the student body, the top students from around the United States who come and join in, right. with, who join in with the Israeli students to make it a unique experience. Right. What is it about Yeshiva Dakotel that attracts such amazing kids and has brought the Yeshiva to the level? Well, that I think a, I think we also have a very uh, with Rabbi Turgan and his staff a very very special uh, atmosphere uh, where there's caring for each student. Uh, also, we make sure that they have chavrutot um, and room with Israeli students. Who, by the way, they're all Hezbo students, where they not only are very serious about their Torah learning, but uh, very serious about their army service. We've actually had quite a few uh, over the past. We have the, we, our yeshiva, Yeshiva Rakoto, has had the most boys from America and uh, Canada and England who have served in a Machal program, which is army service, for 18 months. Uh, we've had over 150 in the last 13 years who do a year and a half of army service, kids from Teaneck and kids from all over. Uh, so there's an atmosphere there of. Uh, uh, Rav Cook's, uh, you know, Torah Yisrael, Am Yisrael, and Eretz Yisrael. Very strong. It is amazing. It really is amazing. And as I mentioned to you, our uh, our um, uh, interaction with the people at Yeshiva Dakotel from the very beginning has been wonderful, and I thank you for that, and I wish you the best of luck with the dinner. We'll remind everybody to continue to make reservations for yes. Tuesday night, Yom Yerushalayim, May the 23rd at Lincoln Square Synagogue. You can call Don Cates at area code 646 646- Two two three zero eight three nine. That's six four six two two three zero eight three nine. And join a unique program for Yom Yerushalayim, including Tfilot at ten o'clock, including the Eitan Katz performance, and a great dinner beginning at seven p.m. Six four six two two three zero eight three nine. You can also reach him at Don D O N at Hakotel dot org dot il. Don D O N at Hakotel dot org dot il. Listen, special regards to Yoshua Siegel when you have a chance. I will. Okay. Good thanks luck. Very much, Taco. Good luck, Don, and thanks so much for joining us. There he is, Don Cates from Yeshiva Dakotel. Will be in Yerushalayim next week. He will be in uh, New York City uh, with the amazing Yeshiva Dakotel dinner. More coming up uh, from Eitan Katz right here at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Eitan Katz, he'll be at Yeshiva.Kotel's dinner a week from tomorrow night in New York City. Again, a reminder that dinner is tonight, May the 23rd, Tuesday night, Erev Yom Yerushalayim at Lincoln Square Synagogue in New York City. You can search Yeshiva.Kotel and get your reservation in for tonight's dinner uh, for their big 50th anniversary celebration. I thank you for listening to this edition of JM Rewind. This is the Nachum Siegel Network.